very much for asking me to speak, and it really is a privilege to be here. Uh, will you uh, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 4? 1 Samuel chapter 4, and uh, we'll just continue along uh, the subject that we were speaking about last Sunday, and that was that the children of Israel were in the land, and uh, they had conquered the land to the extent where they could, were uh, under the, uh, before the Lord, they could divide the land uh, among the 12 tribes. But in 1 Samuel chapter 4, we realize that they still had not conquered the land enough that they could really enjoy the land. And uh, as we read this, how easy it is to line it up with our Christian life that we know that we have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you have the forgiveness of sins, you have a home in heaven. But walking this earth with victories is a different story. And growing in the Lord Jesus Christ is a different story. And there's many a Christian whose sins are forgiven but he still has not been able to conquer the flesh. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, it speaks about the position of the children of Israel before the Philistines. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 10, So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. This was just a common uh, defeat. And every man, that is every Israelite, fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000-foot soldiers. So you could see that they were in the land, but they didn't possess the land. They couldn't beat the Philistines. The Philistines were those people that dwelt in the land. They were not like the Babylonians who lived way over there or the Assyrians who lived way over there. The Philistines lived right in the land. Sometimes a Christian says, well, the world has many temptations. Yes, it does, but the flesh is right within you. And if a Christian cannot defeat the flesh, then he's not going to have any victories before the Lord. And so there was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Now Samuel was a man who was a Nazarite, and he was the leader of Israel, and he not only knew the Lord, but the people would listen to Samuel. How important that is, that a man who has a gift not only is able to display his gift, but that it produces a blessing, that people will listen to the word of God and follow. So the people followed Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 3, we read, that's how Samuel showed them to beat the Philistines. Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts and put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. That's a very important verse. I mean, if you're a Christian, you underline your Bible, underline that verse. That tells you how to defeat the flesh. You repent before the Lord, you put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you walk with him. 
in order through the rest of your life. And so the Bible tells us that that's what they did, and they had a victory. Notice, for example, in verse uh, 4, the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroths, the false gods, and served the Lord only. And when the Philistines attacked, in verse 10, it was during the time that Samuel was offering up a burnt offering to the Lord and praise to the Lord on behalf of the people, and the Philistines drew near to battle. There was no way that the Philistines could win that battle. A hundred Philistine armies could not win that battle. A people repentant before the Lord, depending upon the Lord, offering the sacrifice which speaks of the perfection of Christ before God the Father. The flesh cannot stand. And so the Bible tells us that in verse 10, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines. The Philistines, the Israelites had the Lord fighting with them that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And then verse 13, the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And so here Samuel gives us that blueprint. If you turn to New Testament doctrine, uh, that the New Testament sort of repeats that verse of Samuel. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If I walk in the Spirit before the Lord, then I will defeat the flesh. And notice in uh, verse um, uh, 12 of that chapter, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of the stone Ebenezer, which means hitherto the Lord has helped us saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. So you set up a victory stone. You know, as you go around among the assemblies, if somebody said, what do the assemblies badly need? They need victories. I mean, we have the system down perfect. We have the Lord's Supper. We have the Bible study. We have the preaching service. We have the missionary meetings. We have the children meetings. What we need are victories. Well, you get victories when you actually are committed to the Lord. If you put away the gods that are within you, then you are there. And, uh, you know, it would be a wonderful thing. A Christian ought to be able to look at points of his life and say, there was a victory for me. A Jew could bring out his children, his son and his daughter, and walk them out to that stone at Ebenezer. And as they stood there, he could tell his children, that's where we defeated the Philistines. No, it would be a great thing in the year 2011. If you, for example, made up your mind that you were going into battle with the Philistines and you could point to a day to a month in the year where you truly committed yourself unto the Lord and that's where you overcame the Philistines. Now, you know, while this is going on, while they are fighting for the land, we are 500 years away from the Passover. 
Imagine that. God had redeemed these people out of the land of Egypt 500 years ago. They're still fighting for the land. Still fighting for the land. God doesn't want that. God wants you in the land, victorious in the land, filled with the Spirit, going on and winning victories in the things of the Lord. And uh, that is uh, what we would have. Well, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, you would think that after a victory like this, that the children of Israel would say, wait a minute, that's the way you do it. You put away your God, you repent before the Lord, you place him first, you draw near to him, and we can beat the Philistines. But actually, the human heart doesn't work that way. Not even the Christian heart. The Christian heart says, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I could not do that. Thank you for bringing me to heaven. I could not do that. Thank you for giving me eternal life. I could not do that. But now that I have these things, Lord, I think I can do it from here on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'll see you in the glory. I don't need you today. Don't ever wake up in the morning and say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't need you today. Because we are as weak after our salvation as we were before. If we don't have the strength of the Lord, absolutely, day by day, we will so we find in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that the people come and they say this. In verse 4, the elders came to Samuel and said to Samuel, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. You know, that's a, that's a little verse there. Uh, some, of the, some of the finest men in Scripture lost their sons. They won Victories for the Lord. They could not bring their own sons to a knowledge of the Lord. And so as you raise your family, you know, maybe you can point to victories in the assembly. But make sure that one of your victories is that you raise your sons and daughters in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As great a man as Samson was, his sons did not walk after the way of the Lord. You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. We have a little more of that in uh, verse uh, 19. We will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The Philistines have a king. They seem to win their battles. The Moabites have a king. They win their battles. We don't have a king. Actually, they did have a king, didn't they? God was their king. God was their king. In the book of Judges, you have that verse, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in their own eyes. If you don't think you have a king then you're just going to set off to do whatever you think is best in your life. But Israel did have a king. And when they came and said that to Samuel, it displeased Samuel. Chapter 8, verse 6. The thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. 
And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me. You notice that in verse, in verse 7? You notice that? Actually, if I say you notice that, you're supposed to read the verse. If you're not, if you're not reading the verse, then you're getting 50% of the message. The Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And what was the result? God said, well, then we'll give them a, a king. And his name was Saul. And he was going to reign for 40 years. And he could not beat the Philistines. And as far as Israel is concerned, that is 40 more wasted years under Saul. Under Saul. We'll see that in a moment. You know, this thought that is in uh, the hearts of man, and it's pride, and it gets into the heart of a Christian. And I can do it, good now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul I can take it from here. Just turn in the New Testament to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, where Paul was speaking to the churches of Galatia. You notice in the book of Galatians, uh, and uh, chapter 1, verse 2, it's a series of churches. All the epistles, Paul either wrote to one person or he wrote to one church. But the, the epistle to the Galatians were to a number of churches. In verse 2, to the churches of Galatia. Paul had reached them very early in his career. And he had preached the gospel to them. And they had believed. And they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And their sins were forgiven. But now they had turned away. They turned away to saying, well, now we can keep the law. Now we can follow our way. Now we can set up a religion which will satisfy the Lord. Verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul says, I can't believe it. I was just there. I just preached the gospel to you. You just believed in Jesus Christ. And now all of a sudden you're turning away from that. To a different gospel in verse 7, which is not another, there is no other gospel. Look at Galatians chapter 3 in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. You know, the moment a man says, I can do it by myself, then God says, you're a fool. The word fool in the Bible is a very strong word. You know, if we say that's foolish, that's sort of a soft word, you know. Nobody is offended by that. In the Bible, you should be offended by that if somebody says you're a fool. You're doing a foolish thing. You're acting like a fool to turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ after your salvation. Chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. 
Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, the proof of your salvation, the guarantee of your salvation? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, if you're a Christian, you say it was by the hearing of faith. The way I received the Spirit was... You believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and as he truly saved you, he shows the proof of your salvation in giving you the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit of the works, by the works of the Lord, by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Look at Galatians chapter 4 for a moment and verse 8. But then indeed when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. Before you were saved, you served other gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. You're beginning to substitute a, rela a religion for your fellowship with Jesus Christ. You know, you can't do that as a Christian, you know. Well, I attend, all, I attend all the meetings. That's not walking in fellowship with Christ. That's attending all the meetings. But am I near to the Lord? Is Jesus Christ my life? You remember in Colossians chapter 3, that when Christ who is my life shall appear, then I shall appear with him in glory. Is Jesus Christ your life? Or do I simply go through the motions as a Christian as following a religion? Look at verse 11. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Paul says, is it possible that I preached the gospel and you showed the signs of salvation and I was wrong to believe that you were saved? They had this pride in their heart. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6. Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. He writes to the Galatians. He says, do not be deceived. Paul says, don't make any mistake about this. Don't make any mistake about this in your Christian life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life. Somebody says, ah, yes, the gospel. That's not the gospel. He's not preaching the gospel to the Galatians. Not back in chapter 6. He is saying to people who are Christians, be wise about your decision. 
You're a Christian. If you sow to the flesh, you will never defeat the Philistines. You will never know the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. The fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit of God, the victories in the life of Christ. Paul is saying to these Christians, if you sow to the flesh, you will not get there. You'll go to heaven. Actually, I don't want to minimize going to heaven. Going to heaven is a terrific thing. If you're going to heaven, you're wiser than the people in the world. But now Paul is saying, but now don't be foolish. You need the Lord Jesus Christ every step of the way. Every step of the way. And he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap eternal life. Now, actually, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, this is the way this message came out. On Tuesday night, I was listening to the State of the Union. And uh, I suppose all Americans were very concerned about the State of the Union because for the first time, people are sort of saying that our country is in so real danger, real danger economically. Uh, our educational system seems to be not number one in the world. Our technology seems to be not number one in the world. And uh, we are saying, well, what is going to come of us? And we all tune in and listen very carefully to the president. And according to the Constitution, he gave, I thought, a very acceptable message. Americans can do better than this. Americans are ingenious in these things. We can invent something new. We can uh, raise ourselves up by our bootstraps. It was a good message in that respect. From a Christian standpoint, it never mentioned the Lord once. It did not mention the Lord once. There was no prayer before it. There was no prayer after it. There was no call to repentance. It was just, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. Well, I say we should try with all our heart. But you know, that really is not enough. A Christian knows that if he is to succeed in something, he has to have the Lord with him. If you want a State of the Union address, turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And as they are about to go into the land, and you know, uh, the Lord gave them a promised land, which was not their redemption, but it was going to be their blessings and their, the fullness of their salvation. But they had to fight for it. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Christianity is a good land. Amen. Christianity, God can wonderfully bless you as you wait to go to heaven. It is a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, 
I, I hope you're enjoying your Christian life. You should be. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Verse 11, beware. See? Now here comes Galatians. Beware that you do not forget the Lord, right? Somebody can say, well, I've been a Christian for 20, 30 years. Right. Beware that you don't forget the Lord. By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in there, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the house of Egypt from the house of bondage. Verse 17, And then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. See, then you're in dangerous territory as a Christian. There's no room for God there. There's no repentance before the Lord. There's no casting yourself before the Lord. In verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. You know, they ought to read this verse in the Congress. Okay, before we sit down for the State of the Union, I want to read you a couple of verses from the hand of God. It is God who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. You notice that God doesn't just say it. He swears he will do it. If you want a very fascinating Bible study, Go through the Old Testament, New Testament, and find out the things that God swears he will do. Not just that he says he will do, but that he swears he will do. God swore that he would give them that land. God swore that that land would be everything for them. Verse 19, Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. That's Paul in Galatians chapter 6. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. That's, he's not preaching to the unbelievers. He's preaching to the believers. Whatever you sow in your life, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, then you will reap the results of the flesh. Well, yes, but I'm a Christian. Yes, you'll go to heaven. But what about victories here on the earth? I have time for one closing verse. Acts chapter Acts chapter 13. One closing verse for the mathematicians here. Acts chapter 13, and Paul is speaking at the church at Antioch. 
In verse 16, Paul stood up and motioned with his hand. I just say that in self-defense. Somebody says, what in the world is he waving for? Uh, well, Paul did it, you know. So uh, don't, uh, don't be upset with me. Paul stood up, motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, but God would give them the strength to leave Egypt. God would deliver them from Egypt. And with an uplifted hand, he brought them out of it. He brought them right from uh, out of the power of Pharaoh and right through the Red Sea. God has done that with you. He's delivered you right from the power of Satan and into a place of his blessing. Now, for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. You remember, they came out of the land and they spent a year at Mount Sinai and then God brought them right into the land but they said, well, no, we don't believe we can conquer the land. So God turned around and drove them back into the wilderness, and they wandered about for 40 years. You remember the reason why they gave, why they could not conquer the land? They said, if we die fighting, who will take care of our children? And so the Lord said, all right, then I will, you can go back into the wilderness for 40 years until you pass on and your children raise, are raised and I'll bring your children into the land. So they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And then verse 19, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. And after he gave them judges for 450 years until Samuel, and afterwards they asked for a king, God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when God removed Saul because he was a failure, he raised up for them David as king. Now, just do the math here. They are delivered out of Egypt, and they, God brings them right to the land. They refuse to go in. So they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then after that, they go into the land and begin to fight for the land. And that was the campaign of Joshua in verse 19. They destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. That took 50 years. Joshua's northern and southern campaigns took 50 years. So that's 90 years. And then after that, he gave them judges because they never really did conquer the land once and for all. And those nations kept popping up. And so he gave them judges. Samuel was one of the judges who led them against the Philistines for 450 years. So now we are at 540 years since the Passover. And then... After Samuel's victory, they desire a king, and that is Saul, and that is 40 more years. And so you get to 580 years, and they still have not entered into the land. Listen, you're not going to live that long. 
I'm not going to live that long. What does that verse say? That verse says that there are millions of Christians, they have Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they will never know what it is to conquer the land. Someone preaches on the peace of God that passeth all understanding. They won't know that. Someone preaches on victory in Christ. They don't know that. Someone preaches on to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. They don't know that. I don't have enough time to make Saul my king for 40 years. i got to get in. I've got to conquer the land through the strength of God. And then I've got to get on with the business of doing the Lord's work. 580 years and they did not conquer the land. This is not the map that God wants you to follow. God wants you to follow this map. He delivers you out of the land of Egypt by the blood of a lamb. Well, praise God. We all know that. He delivers you through the Red Sea so Pharaoh has no more power over you. And he brings you for uh, in three months to Mount Sinai. He gives you his law, his ordinances, his judgments. You build the uh, Ark of the Covenant. You build the tabernacle. And in a, before the year is out, he brings you right to the border of the land. And he says, now go in and possess it. And I go in and possess it. And I don't deal with these judges. And I don't deal with Saul. It's just a, a heart of pride that just manages to resist the blessing that God has for me. You can go in to possess the land beginning today, right? You really can. You just say, Lord, I'm going to put away the false gods. I'm going to ask the Lord Jesus and tell him I really need him. Lord, just be with me every step. And I will walk in the spirit and not fulfill the life, the, the uh, lust of the flesh. And there will be victories in my life and victory in my family's life, and victory in the assembly life. Can we look to the Lord? Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank You that when we were saved, that the Spirit of God is given to us. But we know Thy Word tells us that we can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. We can lie to the Spirit. We can live our whole lives still with one foot in the world. We can live our lives serving the flesh. Lord, we want to raise up our stone of Ebenezer, that stone where we can say that's where we defeated the Philistines. We pray for men like Samuel who will lead the people to put away their false gods and trust in the Lord. And we commit ourselves unto thee this morning and bless this assembly, Lord, and each person who is here in his name.